Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We're going to spend the rest of the hour with Eric Russell, uh, state treasurer here in Connecticut. Uh, first of all, good morning, sir. The, the most important question I have for you is in sync or 98 degrees? Do you, are you on one side or the other? I, w- I would go in sync. You would? I would go in sync over 98 degrees, okay, yeah. Okay, that's good, because yeah. you and Matt are like the same age. Was that a part of your childhood? Definitely. Okay. Yeah. I mean, because it wasn't part of mine. These are the hard-hitting questions we ask on Brian and Company. <laughs> I mean, 98 Degrees, that's the one with Nick Lachey, is that it? I think that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. All right, now we got that out of the way. Uh, it's great to have you in. You and, and your partner, are, are your, your, um, your head of comms are way overdressed for Brian and Company, but you definitely elevate the, uh, the respect meter, so we appreciate uh, the, the coat and tie. I, you know, I want to talk to you for a long time, and I really enjoyed uh, Kevin Rennie's piece I thought those were really good. It was fun. It was a lot of fun to do. Yeah, and and there were written responses, right? You didn't sit down with him and talk to him, right? There were written responses. So you had a chance to sort of ruminate over it. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun to go through the process of it, too. I bet a lot of people, did people reach out to you? Did a lot of people see it? They did. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. I I encourage people to go. The the one this week is, I think, is Jim Himes, and uh, it's called Now You Know, and it's on kevinrenny.substack.com if you want to see a little more about the profile of... Eric Russell, our state treasurer. You know, it's going to sound strange like this. I'm sort of teaching some one-on-one class, but can you just explain to people what, what it is? We'll do it like office space, Matt. What it is that you do. Yeah. Yeah. So um, first of all, happy to be on. Thanks for having me. Um, the role of treasurer is really broad. So uh, first, I'm, I'm kind of the chief financial officer for the state. What that means is uh, I ultimately am managing our state's pension funds. So we just crossed the $50 billion mark. Um, in investing to protect state employees and teachers and retirees and their pensions. Uh, we manage all of the state's cash that comes in, our debt management, so all of our bonding and financing of infrastructure um, and housing across the state goes through the treasurer's office. Uh, I oversee our unclaimed property. I'm the trustee of our 529 college savings program. Uh, we have a second injury fund in Connecticut, which um, is a, a program that is covered by the office. So um, it's pretty broad. Um, I think, you know, in addition to uh, making sure that we are keeping the state's fiscal house in order, working closely with the governor and the legislature to do that, uh, I'm also, you know, using the opportunity to uh, look for um, ways to create opportunity and economic prosperity for folks all across the state. And it's really, again, a broad role, but it's it's uh, really important work. I manage all of our uh Credit relationships with the rating agencies, um, so you know it's it's it covers a lot. Of so territory. when my my state taxes come in, they come in 
through your like the the relationship between you and the comptroller because sometimes Sean Scanlon will report like what the surplus and the deficit mm-hmm. whatever correct but the money comes into your your I don't even know where the money where does the money go yeah so it'll come in so taxes and things will go through DRS but ultimately any cash that the state is holding or that kind of passes through okay. will come through the treasurer's Got office it. okay and we'll talk more about um, the pension over fifty billion dollars we'll talk we talked with um, Jeff Sonnenfeld. Uh, which I told you about off mic a little earlier, but we'll get into that a little bit later. There's a couple of things in your office that I wanted to check off. Uh, one is the baby bonds program. Like when you were at the state house, this is something you got passed, right? So the, this is actually the first uh, elected office I've been in. So I, I wasn't in the legislature. So what, what, you were involved with baby bonds? I thought you were w- associated with I it. I was supportive of the program. It okay. started under Treasurer Wooden and was moved through the legislature and passed back in 2021. Okay, so uh, you the, you assumed it when you came in. Correct. And the program, though it was passed, was not funded. And it had been pushed off uh, for a couple of years and was in a really tough spot when I came into office. Um, and so I worked closely with the governor with the legislature to one um, identify a way to fund the program, which I'm really proud of. So why didn't Lamont? Why did Lamont waver? So the the, the program was initially structured to be bonded. So we were going to borrow to fund the program. It was going to be fifty million dollars a year. In so you were going to borrow for twelve years. Okay. Um, and the governor didn't like the idea of borrowing for the program and had some concerns about it from that perspective. Um, and so I came in and worked with my team to really identify different ways of funding the program. And what we were able to do was identify a way where we are fully funding the program up front. We're not borrowing any money. Um, and with that, we've taken over $300 million off the cost of the program. So we were able to- Where did you get the money? It was in a reserve fund that was established when we restructured the teacher's retirement fund. So it was essentially to protect bondholders. Because of the lot of progress, because of the progress we've made in terms of our fiscal health, uh, we were able to release that money. We got a surety, which is essentially a insurance policy to cover um, what was in the reserve in the event that we couldn't make a debt service payment. And then we were able to move that money over into the baby bond trust. Um, and so with oh, that- my head, I had smoke coming out of my yeah. <laughs> Essentially, we had a, a reserve account that we were able to, to free up and then fund the program fully up front rather than borrowing to fund the program. We have to go to a quick break here, but the fund, just quickly explain what it does, because it's important, because people won't even have to, you don't sign up for it or anything, it just sort of happens. Exactly. And then when they're 18, they just get a check? That's right. So for every child who is uh, born in poverty, we use the state's uh, Husky program, so state Medicaid as the indicator. Any birth that's covered by that, there will be $3,200 invested in a trust on behalf of that baby. and So the money will grow? It will grow over the life of that child. We invest it alongside our pension funds. And when that individual is between the ages of 18 and 30, they can access that money. To The whole goal is to help build wealth, right? Build yeah. more generational wealth. So they can use it to purchase a home here in Connecticut, to start or invest in a Connecticut business, to pay for post-secondary education or job training, or to roll into a, a retirement savings account. Um, and we expect that money to be between eleven and twenty-four thousand dollars at the time That's that they're incredible. accessing it. I, and I, I don't know all the parameters that, of of Husky, but I mean it's obviously going to grow. So you're going the funding of it's going to grow as well. But uh, listen, we're here with Eric Russell, state treasurer. I, I want to understand that. So we the baby bonds there's a lot more nuances to it. We won't know if it's successful for like eighteen years, right? And people need to be living in Connecticut to 
get get the benefit of it. So, but they could leave and come back as long as they're residents at the time they turn eighteen or whatever. Whenever they're accessing the money, and they have to. There's financial uh, literacy course requirements, but you know, I think in, in addition to the social benefit of the program, it's also a huge economic driver, right? Because it's a um, reason for people to come back to the state, for people to settle down here when they're at a point that they're starting a family, purchasing a home. And the program is designed that all of the money that ultimately is is comes out of the program is going to be reinvested back here in the state. Yeah, yeah. So there's um, a and, and particularly in effect. communities that um, have been under-resourced, right? Understanding who these the proceeds are, are really going to. So, um, you know, we're, we're working actively right now, not just thinking 18 years down the road, but how do we provide additional supports and services for uh, these kids and their families now building a stronger foundation? We're working with philanthropy and nonprofit organizations to do that. Um, so I don't think it's just a you know 18 years down sure. the road thing. I think there's a lot of opportunity. I mean, I, I don't know if I'll be dead and buried, but I mean, it'd be I'd be interested. Even though you, I I I see your point, I'd still I can't wait to find out how how it does go because you're right, it does. Encourage if someone said you know Vermont paid people like if someone said you get twenty grand waiting for you to come back people I think will or would come back we'll see what twenty grand's worth in 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 eighteen years or so but I want to ask you talk about money you know this unclaimed money and I don't know you have to tell me like how can it go from what it was to what you guys did in a year how does that happen so we're we're doing a lot of work right now to really improve technology and processing these claims. Uh, right, you know the process has been that for every unclaimed property claim that comes in, there are folks in our office working diligently to process every single claim manually, whether it was a dollar or whether it's fifty thousand dollars. And so we've implemented new technology that can process some of those smaller claims with really strong uh, matches in identifying information so you can automatically. Properly, you can properly vet it automatically? Exactly. And we have you know a, a higher standard than most states in terms of identifying information to make sure that we're pre- preventing against you know fraud or any um, turning over of property that um, doesn't belong to the rightful owner. Um, so, but, but what it also allows us to do is uh, use the folks that we have in the office to manually process the more complicated complex, larger claims. So it was like 73,000 or so, and it was exponentially larger than the previous record of matching up the unclaimed money. Can you just uh, briefly, what are the, these things? Are they uh, are they checks from something? Or like, what are, what are the claims? So the, the money comes into the state um, through, it could be anything. It could be a, a doctor's office. It could be an insurance claim that you may have had and say you moved and those companies can't get, get in touch with you or contact you to get that money that they owe you back to you. So what happens over a period of time is that money ends up going back to the state and goes into our unclaimed property. So program. if a doctor's office has a refund for you and it's unclaimed, eventually they don't get to keep it. Correct. Oh, it's still okay. your money. So it gets turned over to the state. And then what we have done is every... Um, piece of property that comes in. If you go on ctbiglist.com, you can punch in your name, you can search there. Any unclaimed property that would be outstanding in the state will be on that list and you can file a claim so that we can process that and get that money. Where do you go again? Say that again. It's called ctbiglist.com. ctbiglist.com. I'm going to check that out. You should. Um, Yeah, I think it's, it's pretty amazing. What was the previous record? It was like a couple thousand. Yeah, I think it was about forty thousand. Like almost so doubled it. Almost doubled it. So you know, it's it, it, this is a big um, 
area of of importance for us is trying to connect people with their their property um, and get it back and processed as quickly as we can. We are continuing to make you know uh, changes and looking at ways that we can improve technology to do that. Well, it's interesting. But it's a heavy lift. If well, just to interject really quickly and not to to comment on Sean or Denise or anybody, but were you a little shocked at how backward things were when you walked in the door? I, listen, the technology piece, I think, is improving a lot. I think it's been a big focus for a lot of states in, in terms of um, building out ways to do this work. You give me a good political answer. I know no, you don't want to not, I'm not asking you to knock on one or the other. I'm just saying in general, it, it, the state seems to be, was behind the curve. Yeah. And I, it's also a lot of legislative changes that we've been, uh, that we've made. Um, a lot of these things are not guided just by the office. They're guided by statute in terms of how the process that we have to follow, how we turn property over. Um, and so, you know, we're, again, we're, we're looking at every way to do that and, and really be more efficient um, in getting money back to folks. You know, I want to talk about Chet and I want to talk about uh, the, the investment of the $50 billion. We only have about a minute here before we have to take another break. Are you enjoying it? I, mean, I am. I'm, I'm loving the work. Uh, do you like politics? I, listen, I, I think one of the things that's really interesting about this role is that it's a lot less political than many others, right? My, my role is to um, help keep the state on track. It's to maximize our investments. It's to get money back to people. There's nothing political about that. There's nothing partisan about it. Um, and so I'm enjoying the I did a lot of work with the treasurer's office in my my career before coming into the office in private practice in private practice representing the treasurer's office from um, doing a lot of the debt management work um, and so it was it's been nice to be able to really settle in quickly um, we have an incredible team so many uh, really dedicated public servants who have been doing this work for many years um, and it's been nice to hit the ground running we have a, a great team uh, it's been great working with the governor and the legislature and my fellow constitutional officers and moving a lot of these things forward. Um, so it's been good. It's been really enjoyable. Yeah. I mean, but it is, it could be a springboard to a political career. That's all I'm saying. You know, I mean, it's obviously the profile's high and if you, you're, you're doing a good job, I mean, it's, I think it's, you know, I, and again, I talked to Sean Scanlon a lot too. I, it's good to have um, some young energy in these offices for sure. Eric Russell is your state treasurer. He's here in studio on Brian and Company here, we've talked about baby bonds and claim money and a bunch of other stuff. I want to get through one other sort of thing that falls under your umbrella before getting to the investment stuff. Is uh, my, you know, I my f- I was married in Connecticut. I had my first child at Hartford Hospital, and so I just did chat. I never really understood or realized any of the tax benefit. I don't even know if there was any, but I just did it because it was easy. And then I did it for all three kids, and I sort of stopped a couple years ago because I I just couldn't continue to fund it. But it's all in the chat. All three of ours are in chat now run by Fidelity, I believe. And so, but there's some elements to it in this dream big thing. It's like my daughter is a senior, so I'm kind of into this. So you got to tell me more about the program. Very good. Yeah. So the uh, Chet Dream Big program is uh, a competition for students between kindergarten and 12th grade. And they can submit, whether it's an essay, a piece of artwork, uh, a, you know, a poem, um, but at the end, anything of the, creative, anything creative, okay. right? Um, but there ultimately will be scholarships issued um, that will go into winners of the program's Chet account, and there'll be three grand prize winners of twenty thousand dollars contributed to Each. their Chet account, correct? And then there are a bunch of other prizes kind of leading up to that, and so it's a fun way to get kids uh, engaged and thinking about kind of their future, uh, but also doing it in a fun way where they can can be creative, and so. Uh, it's a really awesome opportunity. What are the deadlines, or, or when do you November award them? November sixth, I believe, is the deadline for the um, the, the contest competition. Correct. And have you never done it before, or is this something you've been doing in the past? 
So uh, this is my first go around with it um, coming into the they office. Have been, so, they have been doing it. But this they have, it? yes, it, did, it has been around for a little while. And when do you announce the awards? Because um, so my daughter's going to win it. Yep, it'll, okay. <laughs> it'll be in December. Winners will be announced in December. Oh, yeah. so your turnaround's quick. That's it's a nice. quick turnaround. It's a quick turnaround. I like that. I, you know, what is the benefit of doing chat as opposed to just opening up a brokerage account or doing anything else or doing a 529 in a different state? Yeah, sure. So uh, simply, I think in Connecticut, one, we have the Baby Scholars Program. So for every any child that um, a chat account is open for within the first year of their birth or first year of adoption, uh, there will automatically be $100 contributed to that account. Um, contributions to your CHED account are all on a tax advantage basis. So uh, up to $5,000 for someone filing singly, uh, $10,000 for uh, joint filing um, for What does that couples. mean? It's, it's, you can, what does that you mean? You can deduct up to that $10,000. What, what, what you a, put in? On an annual basis. Um, and, so, and then obviously that money that's put in is going to be invested and grow uh, over the life of that child. And it can be used for any educational expenses. It's not just college, um, but it's really starting. We all, we all know that college is super expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a way to make it a little bit more affordable for families really thinking ahead um, to have that savings there. Now, mine will all be gone in probably year one, but... Uh, if they go through the whole process and they're done with their education and there's still money in the account, I've always wondered what what happens to that money. So if it's not used for, again, the the idea of educational expenses is pretty broad. It's not just college, but anything that's there can be rolled into a, a retirement savings account. Like an IRA or yes, what have yeah, you? Yeah. Okay. And that's something you just... you. you you just can fill out the paperwork for or whatever. Yeah, I mean, and that would yeah. be done through through Fidelity as well. All right, we're talking with Eric Russell, state treasurer here on Bryan and Company and WTIC News Talk 1080. Uh, we only have about a minute left here, and then I, and again, I'm not saving it for the end for any other reasons that I want to have a, a a good chunk of time to talk about the investments and not just about the hullabaloo over the research. I want to talk about like what's happening with the investments, but I also want to ask: Is there any other programmatic stuff that you want people to know about that we haven't touched on? So I think baby bonds, I think Chet, those are certainly the big ones um, right now. Um, just for the clarity for the uh, Chet Dream Big program, there is a website. You can go to aboutchet.com. Um, that's kind of the broad umbrella for learning about Chet and being able to start a Chet account. Uh, for the Dream Big competition, there's also uh, a website. It's chetdreambig.com. Got it. All right. I'm going to be going there presently. All right, we're back here with Eric Russell, state treasurer here on Brian and Company and WTIC News Talk 1080. So when, you know, I've known Jeff Sonnefeld for years, dating back to my time at CNBC, and uh, mostly as sort of like a, a good critic on executives, right? He just does a lot, a lot of commentary on leadership and so on and so forth. And when this thing came out, and he doesn't need to do my show. I mean, he does stuff all over the place in national networks, but, he, you know, he comes on all the time. And when he came out with this research report on – you know, investment performance, uh, and, and Connecticut was 49th out of 50th. Uh, it was pretty stunning, and and in some ways, I, the fact that it didn't, it took a while to get more. Tra- I thought it was you know a tremendous news story. Uh, the first question I have for you, and, and all of almost all of this predates you, so like I get it. What, was the research credible? Is it all accurate and credible? Yeah. So I, I th- yes, I think the research was very helpful. I think when we came ca- came into office, I knew that there were a lot of opportunities for improvement with our performance. Were you aware and, of the degree of underperformance? Uh, I I wouldn't be able to say in the same terms. Obviously, with kind of research across all of fifty pension funds, I think that is all helpful. And I think, frankly, it was um, great that 
uh, Jeff was able to bring attention to this really important work, right? I mean, I think as we talked about, the treasurer's office is not one that most people know uh, what we do on a day-to-day basis, but it has a huge impact on the state. And so I think, you know, being able to bring the importance of this work to the forefront and the impact it has on the state has been um, really good because I think it's brought a lot of attention to the office. Jeff and I sat down before the report came out. He let um, you know it was coming. Yeah, and we we talked about the research, you know, which was very helpful. Um, It was helpful that a lot of the changes that were recommended in his research were things that we had already done. Um, or we're already in process, um, and so we've we've certainly been in touch throughout throughout the process here. Uh, I'm really excited about the opportunity ahead, and not necessarily just looking in the rearview mirror. No, but, I get you know, it. What, what are we doing now to put us on the right track? The and hard part is, sorry to interrupt you, that if you had only done the median, there'd be eight billion more dollars in Connecticut, and that could mean lower taxes. I mean, that that's a significant amount of money. So when people when it's framed that way. It, it, it really is stunning. But I understand that. And the, the last sort of difficult question on this is that are there going to – and again, he singles – he didn't really single out Fairview in the research, but somehow Fairview came into the conversation. And then the one of the managing partners of Fairview wrote an op-ed defending Fairview, and then he came back and defended his research, and we have this little whatever. And and I don't, I don't expect you to del, uh, delve into that, but I guess my question is are there going to be changes – and who runs manages the money? Will firms be removed? And it's not just adding new ones, but are you also going to get rid of underperforming firms? Yes, and we already have started to do that work. I it, just to talk, I think a little bit about the changes that have have already been made. Uh, so the biggest one is changing our asset allocation. The reason we've underperformed historically has been our asset allocation. What percentage of our investments are in individual asset classes, private equity? Um, And so that we have a new asset allocation that was implemented, and we're in the process of right-sizing our portfolio to align with that new asset allocation. We were very, you know, we had a really small percentage of our portfolio in private markets, which boomed over the last 10 plus years. Uh, We were underweight in domestic equities. We were overweight in emerging markets compared to our benchmark. So we are in the process of right-sizing our portfolio. That accounts for probably 95% of a pension fund's performance is your asset allocation. Uh, In addition to that, we passed legislation this session, allowing us to recruit and retain top-tier investment talent. You know, one of the challenges historically is that we have had a lot of uh, turnover in the office, and it's hard when you're a long-term your, your investor. Your office? Or? Just, I think, thinking about the treasurer's office historically. Yeah. Um, and so we've been working really hard to build on the talent we have in the office and make sure that we are recruiting and retaining the right people. That legislation also um, took away some of the restrictions for who can serve on the Investment Advisory Council, which we were, uh, the advisory council we were closely with in setting investment strategy and policy. Um, and so we are now able to um, identify and bring on really experienced, seasoned uh, investors onto the IAC. Um, so that legislation has been really helpful when we're in the process of, of um, kind of implementing those changes. Let me ask you real quick. You know, so you talk about asset allocation. You don't want to go f- too far down the risk curve because then you're exposed. Correct. And but I also, you know, one thing that that Sonnenfeld, you know talked about was some of the stuff you don't even need active management, maybe. And you can sure. just put, you know, if you put it, and he said Lamont, I haven't talked to Lamont about it, but he said that Lamont wants, would like more index funds, just put it there and let it let it grow and not, and you can be, instead of paying whatever, 1%, 2%, you could be paying 0.07%. And, and we're, we're not, uh, we don't disagree on that. We actually, uh, in areas where markets are efficient and we can index, we've been doing that. Um, and we've actually moved more 
uh, of our portfolio uh, to indexes where we can, where it makes sense. Um, but again, I think you know, in in thinking about a, a pension fund this size, there are a lot of moving pieces here, and some things just take time. Um, we have been re- reviewing all of our managers. We are either terminating or not kind of re-upping with managers. That, that's hard to do, right? I mean, that's but it's the- but it's it's very doable. We have a great team uh, that we've put together. Um, and it's just, it, you know, it, it takes time. Managers that have underperformed, though, we have terminated. We will be reviewing all of our managers as we go. The other thing that I'm really committed to is I think we've been over-diversified in terms of the number of managers that we're working with. Um, and so what I'm looking to do is kind of reduce that overall number. Yeah. Uh, we can increase the kind of scale at which we're investing with really high conviction managers. And that's also helpful in bringing costs and fees down. Um, so we're looking at this holistically, right? Um, we have started to see changes that have been implemented over the last couple of years really starting to bear fruit. So uh, how have the returns been since you, you've come in? So we just reported our fiscal year end number for uh, 2023, and we performed at 8.5% across the portfolio. That's a couple of percentage points above our benchmark. Uh, we were in the top quarter of performers for um, pension funds across the country. And again, I, I think what's important here is we're not short-term investors. I don't look at this one year right. as being, you know, everything is done. Um, but I think it is a sign that these changes that are being implemented are, uh, we're moving in the right direction. I have a ran- we're talking with Eric Russell, state treasurer. I have a random dumb guy question. When, when they say they're taking money from the rainy day or from the surplus to pay down pension liability, is that, what is that? So we, due to the fiscal guardrails that, that have come, been put in that, place- Does that involve you? Yes. So okay. that money, so as we go through a budget cycle, um, we have fiscal guardrails in place, which have been really effective. And it's made sure that our rainy day fund is full. The way it's set up now is that certain volatility payments, so uh, money that comes in from, say, capital gains and things like that, gets held in a, in a fund. And then any surplus at the end of the year- gets combined with that. And after our rainy day fund is full, that money all goes into our into the pension fund to help pay down our unfunded pension liability. What is it? Unfunded pension liability means what, though? Because we have a, a plan where state employees and teachers and retirees are guaranteed the benefits that they were promised. So your $50 billion can't pay for all that Correct. as it stands So right anything now. that's yeah. kind of okay. under um, what we owe big picture is an unfunded liability. And we've been paying that down drastically. Uh, we went about 70 years without funding our pensions appropriately. 70 years. And so we are playing catch up. Um, but you know, there's been a really broad commitment across the state on a bipartisan basis to really fix these long-term issues. The governor's been great in kind of leading the charge on this front. But we've made additional contributions of about $8 billion um, into our pension funds, which will be the case by the end of this year. And the better it performs... It eases that pressure as well. Even more so, correct. Yeah. Okay. That clarifies a lot. And they say, I mean, there's a, in terms of unfunded, is it still like $90 billion or something like that? So if you're looking at all of our unfunded commitments across the board, our pension funds will have a new uh, valuation at the end of this year, which I expect our funded ratio to jump up even more. Our teacher's retirement fund is at 57% right now. Our state employees is at 49 And that's, I mean, it's a lot of progress from where we started. If you yeah. look back- uh, you know, 15 years ago, um, but we still have plenty of work to do. I think it's fascinating because as the as the federal picture gets worse, I mean, I honestly can I can see that the state's like going on their own way. And if your state is in good financial shape, that's actually going to be really, and that's going to incentivize people to also live in your state if it, if it's not a huge financial 
mess. It's huge. And and I think we've seen it. It's not just uh, folks in office saying this. Uh, we've had six upgrades to our bond rating um, as a state. We just recently received one in March after we presented to the uh, rating agencies. So these are objective folks that are looking at the work that we're yep. doing and our commitment to turning it around. Um, and it's, you know, it's these commitments that have led us, one, to just reduce our overall fixed cost. If you look at um, our middle tax class, middle class tax cut this year, um, these are all pieces because of these kind of longer term commitments we're, we're making to get our fiscal house in order. It's great to meet you. Nice to meet you uh, in person. Really enjoy the conversation both on and off, Mike. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, you know, and, and we have, you know, people, we've Bronin and all, we've, everybody comes in at some point, but I just really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come in and talk about it. And hopefully we'll get a chance to talk more down the road. Thanks, Brian. I appreciate you having me. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.